I still love this class of 2023, but it's been almost three weeks now since the Miami Hurricanes have landed a verbal commit. How much longer are we going to have to wait? You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Uh, Talk about impatient and spoiled fans. And I know so many of our viewers and listeners, uh, you know, they love recruiting just like I love recruiting. That's why we bring on our guest who covers recruiting for a living. John Garcia, Jr., Director of Football Recruiting for Sports Illustrated. John, these Miami fans, we're tired of waiting for more. Look, it's it's coming. Uh, it's there's 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 always kind of a lull this time of year, right? The, these seasons are all beginning. Coaches are in fall camp. There's no visits right now. Uh, everybody's focused on multiple things, and recruiting isn't always at the forefront. And I think this is one of those rare times where, kind of like the holidays, where it really isn't. Uh, so it's it's going to pick back up. You know, there's really no doubt about that. Uh, I mean, my gosh, these IMG guys are recruiting Damon Wilson like during the, the game the other day. I mean, this <laughs> look, it's there's a lot of targets still out there. You know, the secondary, the defensive line in particular, uh, we're, we're going to see wide receiver targets come off the board next month. Hakeem Williams, probably the, the guy that makes the most sense to talk about here. So, look, it's this this drought, even though it's a, just a couple of weeks, is, is going to end here soon. And. Miami's going to get back on track. There's really no doubt about that. I think it's more circumstantial with the guys that are coming off the board right now relative to what we saw in in this incredible June, July, early August run uh, for the Canes. So, yeah, it's, it's going to pick back up. Uh, I think September's going to be the month where it begins to pick back up. Uh, there's, there's a lot of kids that are just waiting for the season or the conclusion of the season to start to wrap this thing up. So, so your Chris Johnson's, your Akeem Williams, I mean, Ruben Bain is in no rush. You know, you think of the local recruits first. Uh, so I think that's going to factor into to the timelines here. You know, these kids know that the season is here. So, you know, Damon Wilson's in no rush to, to make his call either. So it's, it's going to be a little bit slower in general, but September will bring a little bit more action, especially when Akeem Williams starts to to make his announcement. So that is the next checkpoint, if you will, at least among those who have dates or clear timelines. Because, you know, Samson Okalola can tomorrow wake up and just throw this thing on its head. And and that would be great news for Miami, in in my opinion, sooner the better in that regard. Uh, But look, Miami's still in it for a lot of big name recruits. Kormani McClain is in no rush. I mean, there's just, there's so many big names like that that are taking their time because they know they can. Monroe Freeling is is another one that comes to mind. So patience will will be uh, rewarded here for for this Miami hurricane class. But I think in the next few weeks, we're going to start to get some traction with decision dates and, and some clarity on some of those timelines that appear to be longer rather than shorter. I want to remind everyone when John Garcia joins us, it's courtesy of LinkedIn. I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. Um, so Hakeem Williams, uh, he's got his date is September 23rd is when he's planning to announce. So we're a little over a month out from that. 
That's going to be uh, about a week after Miami plays Texas A&M. Like, John, in your experience, uh, how big of a factor could a game like that be? Like when Miami is a finalist for Hakeem Williams, how that game plays out, how big of a factor could that be in his decision? If if he were to be at Kyle Field, I think that could be a huge factor. I don't think it's planned right now. I think he's going up to Pitt. He's going to take some other trips before that commitment date. But this is Akeem Williams. This thing's going to stay all over the place. You know, I'm actually I was just finishing a a trend piece for SI where we're talking about all the top uncommitted 99 guys, and Williams is like the one that I know the most about regarding the amount of schools but I know the least about regarding who has the buzz because it has shifted so very many times. A&M has held yeah. it. Miami is trying to gather it back. Florida State has held it. Georgia held it. Pitt is getting their third visit next month out of him. I mean, this is a really wide-open deal for a kid who's a month away from, from making this final decision. And then there's talk of an A&M visit scheduled for, like, December. So it's – it is totally wide open in this regard, and and that visit timeline relative to his commitment tells you the commitment might not be the end here. So you can look at it one of two ways. You can say, okay, he picks Miami, great, cool, now we just got to hold on to him. Or you could say, okay, he picks school X, but Miami and, and these other schools that lost out aren't really out of the woods just yet in terms of possibly – reeling him in when it counts most uh, in December on signing day. So that will be, regardless of where he commits, that will be one of the more fascinating recruitments really nationally here over the last few months of of the year. So, yeah, Akeem's going to be interesting. But if he was going to be at AM right before the commitment, yeah, I think that would be a little bit more, I guess, worrisome for your audience. But uh, I, I do think he's, he's going to keep this thing wide open. And, again, this buzz can shift once, twice, maybe more, before that date actually comes in. So that will be fascinating and set off some dominoes at the position and, and make maybe Miami circle back to some other targets. We've already seen them re-engage with Jalen Brown. We've seen them talk to other wide receivers. Does, does William Foles become more of a priority going forward? There's other targets out there that all of a sudden can become, uh, you know, higher on the list there for Miami. So receiver recruiting in general will be fascinating and Williams will be the Kickstarter to that fascination. John Garcia Jr. from Sports Illustrated joins us here on Locked on Canes. So you already mentioned the name Samson, Samson Okunlola, which means we've kept our Cal Ripken streak alive. I think this is 12 <laughs> consecutive episodes now where we've brought up Samson. And the last time we had you on, John, um, you know, you mentioned because you're you're in contact with a lot of these recruits and you, you told us that Samson was teasing something that was going to drop soon, but it wasn't his actual verbal commitment. So I think we've had the answer to that, right? Because Samson has said that his announcement, whenever he decides to make it, is going to involve pancakes. So the pancake honcho, he's nicknamed. Love so it. whatever he's putting together, you know, this is going to be, uh, you know, this this sounds like he wants to put on a real production when he announces his verbal commitment. And I, I heard he's got like nine finalists. I don't know if they've all been named. I know Miami is one of those finalists, of course, Absolutely. and they're considered to be the leader. So what's the the, the latest on Samson? And, and when do you think he might actually make that announcement? You know, his team might be calling up all the IHOPs in the greater Massachusetts <laughs> area at this point, trying to lock something in, you know, maybe bring in some some lighting and, and just make it a whole, a whole deal. And I look, any offensive lineman that wants any kind of production value, 
no one's going to push against this. This is something we need. We see it at every other spot, literally, at every other position. How about the old lineman getting that kind of uh, production value? But look, yeah, this is going to be – he's always kept it close. He's always kept it close to the vest. Even the buzz with Miami leading – has a lot to do with what we hear from other people, whether it's the schools, the coaches, other recruits, the other schools involved feeling like, well, maybe we don't feel the best. Well, when the kid keeps everything close to the vest, even the, the schools involved are, are kept in the dark to a degree here. So it makes it that much more interesting. So then if you do nine finalists on top of it, it's, you know, Michigan, Miami, uh, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan State, or I mean, just totally coast to coast it becomes you know that much more of of a bit of a fiasco and i think again any offensive lineman that wants to create that i'm here for it because it's usually a corner or receiver or something more conventional that creates uh, kind of that craziness in recruiting and look he's the number one offensive lineman in america right top 10 in the country for us at si so there's a reason why these schools don't feel as good because they, they want to, to check in as much as possible with him and he doesn't give a whole lot away. So I do still think, though, the sooner that production value at the IHOP goes down, I do think the better for Miami in this regard. Um, again, he's got officials that he could still take. So I think that September game slate, you know, there's big games across the country, right? Ohio State's hosting Notre Dame, for goodness sakes. That could be a, a window where he decides to do a little bit more due diligence, but he's also said and confirmed to us that he thinks he kind of has enough to make the call now. So it really could come at any point. He took a ton of visits this summer and really dug into those, including, of course, the official visit to the University of Miami. So it's one of the more interesting timelines because there is no true timeline, but yeah, yeah we know pancakes will be involved regardless every school has bought into it every graphic they send him has some kind of a uh, beautiful looking pancake uh you know to be consumed or just as a prop uh or both uh it, it is <laughs> it is going to be fascinating with oak and lola and, and look he's he's the, not only the top offensive lineman in the country there's not a, a whole lot that are uncommitted right now it's him right. monroe freeling and that, that's kind of it among the truly top 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 level offensive tackles so that gives you so much leverage in the decision making process and I think both of those kids know it at this point what's the latest on Monroe Freeling because I do remember you know when it became very apparent that like Peyton Kirkland wasn't coming to Miami then I started to hear more buzz about Monroe Freeling so what do you think's going there and who's he deciding between it's it's ironically so similar to Okanola, not regards to NIL deals and pancakes, but in regards to just the teams that are in it, right? Michigan, LSU, again, Bama, Georgia, Ohio State. We're hearing those same three teams, Miami involved, uh, trying to trying to wrap up. Well, why is, is Clemson by. not involved for him? Because he's Clemson, from South Carolina, right? So it Clemson would seem, has it would seem Notre depend. Dame had early buzz, then like North Carolina and Clemson started to push. For him early in the summer months, we started to hear buzz with those programs. So, yeah, I, I do think the longer it drags out, I think it could be a Clemson Miami battle there in the end. And he's, he's going to rock some orange in one way uh, at the collegiate level. But again, no, no finite group. He announced like a top seven in May and then Bama offered after that. And then he took a visit out there. So there's there's at least eight schools involved uh, at this stage of the game. You know, Georgia's been I like like weirdly bad, not bad, but weirdly um, 
under expectation at recruiting the offensive line. They've been in it for all these kids and they have not been hitting on them. But then you have your, your Miamis, your Alabamas, your Notre Dames that are like four or five man groups already. And they're just yeah. looking for that icing on the cake. Um, so maybe Monroe quietly is waiting for Oak and Lola to pop and then he can kind of go from there. Maybe that's, that's the direct domino, but there's no telling today as far as where I sit, Alex, who's going to come off the board first and just, if either guy is going to come out with a smaller group of schools, because you're talking a combined, you know, what, nine plus eight, you know, 17 different schools. Of course, there's some overlappers that could be involved for these two. So it's it's really them two at the top of the mountain and the kids know it and the schools know it simultaneously. So it could create some drama at, at a position we're not used to uh, labeling that on. Well, we have a lot more to talk about here with Mr. Garcia. So keep it locked because uh, our pal Andrew Ivins released his freaks list. Miami has a committed freak on the list and some non-committed targets who are on that freaks list. And so we still have a ton more. Recruiting never stops. But let's talk about the importance of driving sober, my friends. Let's say you're hanging out with some friends. You're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. But nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal, right? Wrong. What are the odds you get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads. They're doing that to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Guys, thanks again for making Locked on Canes your first listen every day. The ultimate college football preview is here. It's a seven-episode preview with college experts. I even got some buzz on here. They consider me an expert for whatever reason. I've been on a couple of these local team experts and Odyssey College Football Insiders. It's everything you need to be ready for the college football season in one spot. Search for ultimate college football preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. So, John, uh, our pal Andrew Ivins put out his uh, his freaks list, and Miami has a verbal commit number two on that list in Francis Maui Goa, who's you know an offensive tackle who could certainly play guard, can play tackle. Uh, he's just an absolute man child. Like, what is it in in your uh, covering of Francis Maui Goa from IMG? What makes him so freaky? Well, usually, you know what is it, six three and a half whatever he is you know with with relatively average length you're like okay interior guy 100 percent. but then you watch him and you're like wait hold on he moves he moves like a linebacker i know andrew noted the four or five shuttle that that he registered i was there that night img had their own like combine day and you're just like this th he should not be this quick relative to his size well over 300 pounds and he carries that that weight very well on top of it um and then you obviously translate it over to the tape and, and he is doing it where it counts most you know and i think that's a big reason why they worked him on different sides of the line at img because he's the best puller they got even though he's one of the yeah. bigger linemen they have and he's he's leading screens he's getting to the second level he's just moving like a tight end or a linebacker 
more so than the, the potential anchor of, of a collegiate offensive line. So there's a lot of freakiness there. Of course, the, the standout moment that I guess like confirmed a lot of what we saw was when he tweeted at Evan Neal, who went viral for his, you know, his split box jump uh, at IMG before or before the draft, I should say. And then Francis does it as a junior, you know, without without the length that Evan possessed. Evan Neal, six, right. seven, six, eight. Francis, again, generously listed at six, four or so. So that's a big deal when you're talking about a, whatever it was, a 70 inch box jump or whatever it was. So I, I think it's just there's a lot of freakiness in his game that you see in those brief samples. But then you watch him and it's it's always there. He is consistently low. Uh, and then and then you watch him when he's not playing football. There's some volleyball highlights and other sports. And and he's just as good. He is. He's bounces. Uh, he can dunk the basketball. I mean, there's there's just a a fluidity to this kid's game that you just don't ever see really at at that size. So, yeah, he absolutely belongs on the freaks list. And that's why, again, at that size, a lot of people are like, yep. He's still a tackle, don't care. And and while we've listed him as the number one interior guy, we can see that as well. We think there's right tackle upside. There's certainly interior upside. But we wouldn't be surprised if he if he was the left tackle of the future down in Coral Gables as well. And there's just not a lot of offensive linemen that we ever say that about. It's usually like maybe he's a guard and that's it. You know, right. there's usually you're pigeonholed to one, maybe two spots. With Maui Goa, we're talking he can play any spot but center. And the only reason we don't say center is because we hadn't seen him snap. It doesn't mean he can't do it. We just haven't seen it just yet. So he could be the 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 rarest lineman in the class because he could potentially and athletically play all five traditional spots. And that's just, again, a true rarity at the position. So, yeah, an absolute freak could be an understatement here. And Francis, I, I love him because he's one of these verbal commits. Uh, Antonio Tripp is another one. But Francis, he's so committed to Miami. Like, he's not actually going to arrive on campus for another several months. But he's he's trying to recruit other players to join the class. And one of those, you referenced this earlier, John, when IMG played Venice last week head-to-head. When Venice gets in that handshake line, that's five-star edge rusher Damon Wilson, who's a Miami target, plays for Venice there were a half dozen guys in the handshake line telling him, come to Miami, come to Miami. So what's the latest on Damon Wilson's recruitment? There's yeah, there's just so much IMG Miami buzz and it's, and why not? Right. If you're Mario Cristobal, why not, you know, p- push it there. If you're pushing it anywhere, that, that's a hell of a place to begin. And, and it's tangible at this point. And it's, uh, largely in the trenches, right? Jaden Wayne, yeah. uh, Maui Goa, Riley Williams is a tight end. Antonio Tripp just moved down to IMG. It, it starts to filter out to the point where other guys are like, well, why hasn't Miami offered me? Like they just offered David Stone from IMG. And, and at Media Day a few weeks ago, he was like, yeah, I'd love a Miami offer. I've never been, but man, th- these guys keep talking about oh. it. So now and he's, Miami's and he's offered, a, a five-star 2024, correct? At maybe a top 10 guy in the class next wow. year. Interior guy who who plays wow. in, in between, you know, Jaden Wayne and, and some of these other players. So yeah, there's there's a lot of Miami buzz there to the point where not only externally, but internally, the IMG kids are like, wait, what what about me with the Canes? But with Wilson, yeah, of course, you just knew with two offensive linemen committed to Miami blocking him for the large part of that game, you just knew it was going to come up because not only can you extend the message, but you can get a a two, three hour sample of, do do we think this kid is worthy of playing down here? I know, know, obviously we all rank him very highly top 25 guy in the country for us as well, but you, you block a kid for some reps and you're, you know, whether or not he's, he's got the, the juice as they say, 
to play in a school uh, school like Miami that you've already obviously at this point bought into it from Maui Goa and Tripp's perspective. But yeah, I do think that uh, Wilson has, has certainly felt that from the Miami perspective. I do believe he gets down to at least one game. He's got official visits he can take. There's a lot in front of Miami's angle in this recruiting pitch. Now, Bama's involved. Georgia's involved. He's going to Ohio State next weekend. I mean, look, this is a premier. This is maybe the twitchiest uh, smaller edge in the class, right? You've got your bigger Keon Keeley, Jaden Wayne kind of guys, but of the smaller variety, the more classic, I guess, weak side edge, as we used to call them, he might be the best in the country, and he's probably the twitchiest as well. So it's going to be a, a true heavyweight battle. But again, if you're Miami, you want to be in these battles, and you have already won these kind of battles going forward. And look, in-state kid, right? Venice Venice to Coral yeah. Gables, three and a half, four hours maybe. You you can make that work relative to some of the other schools on the list. Certainly the only one uh, within state lines there. Texas is, is kind of a dark horse getting involved there as well. Uh, but again, like I said a couple weeks ago, a lot of folks are viewing this as kind of Miami's race to lose with Alabama as maybe that primary contender. So we'll we'll check back in after the Ohio State trip because he's in no rush to make a decision. But Miami's going to stay in the thick of this thing all the way through. And, and yeah, the commitments are helping that cause. There's really no way to, to eliminate that part of it. And the Miami group is certainly on him physically. And, and now, you know, I'm sure from afar, well more than any other group uh, among the schools that are courting him. Speaking of edge rushers... Nicholas Harbor, uh, who's a five-star athlete, projects to be most likely an edge rusher, maybe a tight end from the Washington, D.C. area. But this guy, he is a track star. Like, I'm talking Olympic-level potential. In fact, you know, he he was uh, tentatively scheduled to be down at the Miami barbecue at the end of last month, and he couldn't make it because he decided to run in a track meet instead. Now, John, there's starting to be and, – and this guy could basically pick any any program in the country he wanted to play for. He's a take everywhere. But, in either uh, sport. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. do you think he might actually pick track over football? Because there's some buzz for that. It would be certainly unprecedented at that size, right? I mean, this is 6'4", 240, running 10-2. I mean, it, it is dumb to talk about. It, it just doesn't compute the right way. So if anyone's going to do it, it would be this kid. Uh, but I just do think, you know, once you get to – it's one thing to go to college and, and go on scholarship and run track. I mean, that's great and hard and, and all that stuff. But when you're talking Olympic aspirations, which he does have, and he has confirmed yeah. at several points, it's tough. I mean, you got to be – he's close, but you got to be just – it's such a small percentage to really impact it there. you got to be – you're running in the nines at the Olympic level, and and he could probably do it. I, I don't know if a track coach would want him to lose weight and mm. trim up a little bit and have a bit more of that Usain Bolt frame as opposed to a defensive ends frame like he has right now. But he's he's got the potential. You just know at the high school level he's only getting so much training in track, which is such a – people don't realize such a disciplined sport. Every single step is is calculated and curated from the angle to the launch point to your leverage, your plane, all that stuff is calculated when you're a sprinter. So if he gets that, could he feel like he could shed close to you know half a second on his times? Maybe he does feel that way. He's only entering his senior year of high school. So I do think when it comes to those around you and, and when you get into the – when you remove the college football fandom and you get into the business element of this, it's just like kids who are involved with – baseball and some of these other non-contact sports for lack of a better phrase from a business perspective and a financial perspective there's a lot of upside 
to doing something like that. And he's already built a following and a name going into it. So I do think those elements could push him that way. But I, I do also feel like his frame just screams football. Yeah, He could be a tight end. He could be a defensive end. He could probably be a receiver at this point. He absolutely can, I should say. So I do think from the the physical perspective, football is the safer bet. But he's already gone against that conventional logic physically his whole life. So who's to say he wouldn't do that? I will say that his recruitment is early. He's, I don't think he's taken any officials. I mean, he is totally early in this entire thing. And I know track is a big reason for that. So it's going to extend the distance just about anyway. So there's going to be a lot of time for other folks to influence that decision as well. So that will be just as fascinating as, as the school he picks, if he ever picks a school. Well, this is tremendous info as always. You guys want to make sure you follow this man on Twitter at John Garcia underscore junior. Check out his work in Sports Illustrated. John, thank you so much for the time as always. Always a pleasure, Donald. Take care. Love it. Great stuff there by John Garcia Jr. Guys, when we come back, we have to talk about Miami's defensive scheme and how these safeties, these stud safeties are loving it and thriving under it. Keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. Available free wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey. Available free on YouTube as well. Make sure you subscribe on any applicable platform that you like to use. And if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you hit that thumbs up button, hit that like button, and try and spread the word, okay? Uh, ooh, we, we do have a note. This is non-football related, but this was breaking news this morning. The University of Miami has extended baseball coach Gino DeMare for three additional years, a three-year extension. I don't know why I had trouble saying that word, extension? Three-year extension that will keep Gino DeMare as head baseball coach through 2026. Now, uh, Kane's Twitter has uh, not really too happy about this, given you know some of the recent uh, actual performances not meeting expectations for the baseball team. Uh, here's a quote from University of Miami Athletic Director Dan Radakovich. He says, we are excited to have Gino continue to lead our baseball program. We made great strides as a program last season, including hosting a regional for the first time in six years. Gino and his staff are building momentum for Miami baseball, and we are looking forward to more successful seasons to come so Gino locked in uh through 2026 so uh Miami's uh safeties three of them spoke yesterday and of course everyone hangs on the words from the likes of Avante Williams and James Williams who are two of the very best in the country and I also feel that way about Cam Kinchins and I hope we can also say those same things about Al Blades who's getting most of his reps at safety not corner this year, here's what Avante Williams said about the defensive schemes. He says, the schemes, I've learned so much football. He said, this is the most ball I've learned in my life. So you talk about that being really for the past six, seven months, going back to spring ball, offseason install. He's learning more football in the past several months than he has in his entire life. Um, you know, they talked about the unity in the safety room and in the defensive backfield, which is very similar to what the offensive linemen are saying about their unity, how they're playing joint at the hip now. And it's not just the O-linemen saying it. It's been the D-linemen that have been telling me there's a clear difference in the way the offensive line is playing this year versus last year with most of the same personnel from a year ago. 
Uh, James Williams, number zero, said, whoever I'm on the field with, we're all dangerous because we all got a mindset that we dominate each play at a time, one play at a time, and be great together. So togetherness and unity have been really big themes for uh, for Miami's players at multiple different position groups throughout this season. Guys, on tomorrow's episode, what is today? Wednesday, so tomorrow is Thursday. We are going to be announcing first-team Aldano selections at multiple more position groups. Now, remember, this is the way first-team Aldano works. It's really first-team all locked on. But since I'm a narcissist, I had to put my name into it, okay? Um, we give you players at every position, 22 starters, who are not necessarily the very best players on the team. They can be, but they don't have to be. But these are players that we give the most love to on the show, that we have the most conversations about on the show. It could be obsessions that I have with certain players. It could be obsessions that you guys have, because I see the comments and the tweets from you guys. These are players that we talk about most on the show. So here are the positions we've already announced. We've got three starting receivers, Xavier Restrepo, Colby Young, and Romello Brinson. Those are the three receivers who get the most love and the most conversation on this show. Our tight end is Elijah Arroyo, and our defensive tackles are Daryl Jackson and Leonard Taylor. So on tomorrow's show, we will be announcing the starting quarterback, first team Aldano, the starting running back, this one's going to surprise you, and the starting edge rushers. So if you guys want to make nominations at other positions, we haven't done any defensive backs yet, and we haven't done any linebackers yet. So tweet us at Locked on Canes. And if you follow us at Locked on Canes, we will follow you back. Tweet us and follow us at Locked on Canes. And thanks again to John Garcia. We will talk to you guys again tomorrow. Hey, get more on the ACC by making Locked on ACC your second listen every day. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of Locked on take you across the conference in 30 minutes. Make Locked on ACC your second listen. Thank you for making us your first. We'll talk to you tomorrow on another episode of Locked on Canes. We are part of the awesome Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.